Hello. Hi, Joe. I saw your head today again, and as I walked by your classroom. <laughs> That's not creepy. <laughs> no, it's not creepy. Come on. I'm not creepy. You're creepy. It's <sighs> exactly what a creepy person would say. Let's get started with that cold open. It's cold outside, which is not a part of this cold open, but it is cold outside, which makes me angry. Baby, it's cold outside. <laughs> and it's not even Christmas. Ugh. Indeed, it is very cold outside, but in Bloomington, we don't have bad weather that often, so it stands out when it's 25 degrees. And in Minnesota, mm. they just they think we're weak because it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like this is not a big deal at all. Mm-hmm. It's so cold outside now that what I've been doing to keep busy and, you know, not get too bored, I've been playing a word game called Wordle. Not sure if you've heard of it or not. It's a really fun and entertaining game in which you try to guess the word. And there's a new word every day and you only get six guesses. But if you get the right letter, it will turn yellow. And if you get the right letter in the right spot, it will turn green. So eventually you'll have enough hints that you can figure out what the actual word is. And it's always a five-letter word. But me and my mom are playing and trying to compete and see who can get the the word the fastest because if you get it in two guesses you're of course beating someone who gets it in there they use all six guesses or five guesses or something like that mm. so it gives you no context as to what it could be nope not at all so what i normally do is use yesterday's word ah okay interesting I, i'll have to i never heard of it but i will i'll maybe i'll download that and we can compete and it's also what's cool about it it's a smart business model it's literally just a website oh you go there it's not an app on the phone you go to the website you play there are no advertisements there are no cookies there and it's nothing weird you play and then you can share with someone else your results if you want it's not throwing in tons of advertisements and weird stuff it's just go to this website and play and it's a different word every day and have a nice time wait hang on so i'm on the website right now and i can just type in the what i think it is yeah, exactly. Like like anything. Yeah, play it live on the air. And I, okay. you know, I th- today's word was a little tough in my opinion, but they're sometimes harder than others. So, okay, so I've typed in a word I think it might be, mm-hmm. and I just put enter. Yep, there you go. Okay, so none of those were right. <laughs> okay, so you have a bunch of gray words because they were all wrong. Yes. And now your keyboard, those will be gray as well, so you have a good feel for what one to do. One eternity later. Oh, man. Like, I probably will take almost all this out, but college try listeners, you can see, like, the game is making him be addicted in real time. And this is what it will do to you. It did it to me. It's a very addictive game. Mm Mm-hmm. I agree. Because it's like, oh, you're so close, and it's like victory. And what's so smart about it is it only gives you one word a day. So you might want to keep playing, but you have to wait till the next day for a new word to come out. Because if it just gave you word after word after word, you get bored. But here it's like a special occasion. It's a special ceremony where you can go and play once a day but no more yeah that's true yeah keep in keep putting in letters you'll get it but pro something why proxy yes oh my gosh (laughs) there it is it's like so obvious once you know but you can't wow you can't get there unless you suffer on my on my fifth try i got it so there you go college try listeners wordle is awesome that's fun and you should play too if you don't value your free time (laughs) That's right. That was fun. That was really fun. I'm glad that you showed me that. All right, Joe. You have got to watch Arcane. It is ridiculously good. I and my family did a rewatch. And normally we have this whole debate where, oh, we watched that one year ago. Oh, we watched that one month ago. We can't do it yet. We have to wait till we watched it two years ago and then we can bring it back. But for Arcane, 
it was a pretty much definite we have to play this again because it's great it's so ridiculously 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 good (sighs) (laughs) i just every time i look at it on netflix i'm like man is this something that i'd like like i just don't know but i should just try it all you have to do is try episode one two and three and if you don't like it by then you are more than welcome to stop. And then you can complain about it on the podcast and say, well, you didn't like it. <laughs> okay. But by episode three, it has you so hooked, it's not even funny. Okay, and how many episodes are there? Nine. Oh, okay, that's not that's not that much of a commitment. Yeah, it's not. you're not signing up for Friends with nine seasons, and it's just, yeah, you don't mm-hmm. need to worry about it. It's uh, short and sweet, and it leaves you wanting more, as all good things do. Mm. Okay, all right. I will, okay, I will try it before the next podcast, and I will let you know what I think. I'm, I'm excited, yeah, because... Uh, Owen told me how to pronounce it. So there, the studio, there's a French studio that does all their animation. It's like Fortiche, I believe is the name of the studio. And I was like so captivated by all the stuff that they made that I was kind of wondering what else they made. And they made, do you remember the song Pop Stars from Beat Saber when you played at our house? Um, maybe. I think probably. They're essentially like this virtual K-pop group called like K slash DA, which is like very, a very strange thing, but that's the name of the group. I had to like be looking up this, all this stuff on Wikipedia, like an old person, but (laughs) apparently there are like these virtual K-pop bands and this virtual in the sense of they are voiced and real people are singing, of course, but the personas are the animated people. Mm. So it's like all the music videos are animated, all the cover art and everything is animated. Like the personality are these fictional animated characters, of course. And so it's just like, very interesting concept that I hadn't thought about before. And so they made, for Tishi, the studio, made the music video for the Beat Saber song, Pop Stars. And it's a ridiculously good music video. And there's just it's such impressive graphics and such impressive art style. And so they were like, I think, given basically completely creative control because I was also watching some behind the scenes on the music of Arcane, like someone showing you the Logic Project and everything. I'll put that in the show notes too. But apparently, for Tishi would just give them the completed animation and they would say all right we're going to write all of the music to it even like the custom songs that are like generic pop songs we're going to directly write them to this exact scene so that all the everything hits on the exact right place it wasn't like they weren't creating songs and then animating to it just always the animation came first which explains a lot explains why it's so good mm, wow yeah that that's that's cool i've never heard of that before other than like I feel like Daft Punk or like people like that who like are like Marshmallow who wear masks or some you know stuff like that. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, other than that, that that's that's pretty cool actually. Check it out; it's great. And then right now we're also rewatching Community because it is the best com. Well, I think I've said it's the best show ever before. I think it's one of my favorite like TV show comedies. I'll say that. I think Arcane might be taking you know as far as favorite general TV show that might be starting to definitely inch up there. But you know, Community is one of the best co- comedies of all time in my opinion. Mm. I need to watch that one too. I, I just, I, I just haven't, but I'll get to what's been filling my time. Well, as we might find out, you're busy. You're a busy young man mm-hmm. and you've got other mm-hmm. things to do other than watch TV, which is good, probably a good thing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I wish I had more spare time, but I don't know. It's, it's, you know, idle hands tempt the devil as anyone over 70 has ever told you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so good. Well, speaking of being tempted by the devil, have you been able to avoid movie trailers, which you wanted to do in 2022? Oh my, it's really hard. Like I saw the trailer today for the moon Knight uh, TV show and I didn't watch it, but it's like super hard, especially when you're like, I watched the IU game a couple nights ago and there are like trailers that come on and what am I going to do? Like walk out of the room, you know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. so I've elected to 
in those situations when I can't control it, I have, I just, I'm going to sit there maybe on my phone or something. Right. But like, if it's in my control, I just don't want to watch trailers because like in the Morbius trailer, right? Like they, like Michael Ke- uh, Michael Keaton was in it and like that, that, and that, look, I'm not going to watch Morbius, but that spoils so much about the movie, you know? And so I just, I don't know. I just don't really want to do it. And so far it's going well, other than when I can't control when I'm watching the, or like, yeah, other than when I'm not in control of what I'm watching, that is the only time that I haven't followed through. But otherwise it's been pretty good, actually. Um, I'm just waiting for a movie to come that like I get to go see and I haven't seen any trailers for it. I wonder if having Adblock Plus on your computer would be helpful for that. And then you can't really help it for TV. So I guess going in the other room and also you couldn't help it for the movie theater. So showing up late and getting a bad scene, because mm. I think what you're wanting almost is like a war on advertising kind of situation because you don't want the advertisements to come in and spoil things about the movie. And that's kind of something I've been thinking about more as I feel like YouTube advertising has gotten more aggressive. I think I'm far more willing now than I've ever been to pay money to make advertisements go away because I don't want advertisements to be bothering me. Just like give me the content. So I I understand what you're saying. And the fact that not only are you annoyed by this advertisement, but it's potentially spoiling things about the movie. So, yeah, there's something to that. So good luck, sir. I'm glad that you didn't see and you were able to scroll past and. May you watch many unspoiled movies this fun year. I'm really hoping to. It'll be good. Speaking of what I'm watching, um, I am currently, so I'm in, I'm, I'm still trying to finish Scrubs eventually. It hit kind of a, a, a lull and I just stopped. Well, not the show. I just kind of fell out of it a little bit, um, especially when I went and saw Spider-Man, which at this point, if you haven't seen it, I, this isn't a huge spoiler, but like it made me want to go watch so I started that again, um, which, by the way, is really good. Um, I don't know if I'll watch it all the way through. I might just watch like a summary, you know, before any other Marvel movies come out. But yeah, so that's a really good show. But what I just finished actually was The Crown. Um, have you seen The Crown, Zachary? Yes, I have seen The Crown. I've seen, I think, the first couple of episodes mm-hmm. and it's not good. <laughs> I don't like okay. it. It's terrible. So here's the thing. I don't care about the royal family, and most of it is, like, just fun history to me. Well, not the tragic stuff. That stuff is sad. But, the <laughs> I mean, it's just, like, at a certain point for me, it's just learning about stuff that's happened in a place that I don't know with people that I don't really know or care about. Um, and I really loved the actors in the first, um, like, the cast of the first seasons because, like, like Matt Smith, who was on Doctor Who, is... Um, Prince Philip, and um, I, I don't remember her name, but uh, Princess Margaret is played by somebody that's really recognizable too. I don't remember her name, but I love the cast. I loved the idea that it was kind of a presented as a low stakes thing, but like also Winston Churchill is in it, which is awesome. And they have to deal with stuff from World War II, and it's like fifties Britain. So like the first two seasons are really good. The second two seasons are like good. But I didn't like them as much. I, I liked them for different reasons, you know, just because the cast changes because they get older, right? And so then, and then it starts to focus less on the queen and more on like Princess Diana and Prince Charles and like that sort of avenue of the royal family. So it's definitely interesting. And to me, like it's slow paced for sure. For me, it's like eating a food you really love. You eat it slowly so you enjoy it, you know? And like I, I digest that content really slowly because it's just really enjoyable for me. I don't know. Like I love, I love history. I love 
the some of the actors and actresses and the stories are really really well put together and it's really well filmed like the shots are really good all of all of the like technical side of a TV show they nail it too so i really love it and if you don't like it that's okay it's fine it, i know it can be a little boring sometimes sometimes oh come on <laughs> you don't want to watch britain get smothered in a fog and they have to deal with it and the prime minister's like what and the queen is like can you figure this out please and they're like what it's great that's a whole episode by the way <laughs> <laughs> 45 minutes down the drain and nothing happened. It's so stupid. Down the drain. What else are you going to spend 45 minutes doing? (laughs) Something better Uh, than that on community. Like, because the thing is, if every time, okay, I I respect it. I respect that there are shows like like The Crown with good cinematography and like stories that you kind of have to wait for it and they kind of reward you over time. That's all fine and good. The thing is, I only have specific times I can watch with my family. It's like, we got to pick stuff that everyone likes and we've got to pick stuff. Because for me, Every second I'm watching Community, if you were to video me watching it, I would either be smiling the entire time or laughing my head out the entire time. Hmm. And it's like hard to get more of a return on your investment than that, really. Because, yeah, it's just, it's a laugh a minute. And I get The Crown isn't a comedy, and I understand that. Because with Arcane, although it's not a comedy, like not at all, not even a little bit, I'm filled with wonder the entire time. Like I'm admiring the graphics. I'm appreciating the somewhat sophisticated writing and sophisticated storytelling. I'm basically like in a constant stage of just having my mouth kind of open wide and being amazed. Cause like the first time I can actually, I'll see if I can find the scene on YouTube that like basically, cause I was the first episode, I think we were just sort of joking around as brothers and talking and stuff. And I was talking and, you know, making jokes and stuff. And then this scene, this specific scene came on in the song that goes with a start. And I just went, Oh, I was just blown away by the graphics and I did not talk much for the rest of the series because it it demands our respect. Hmm. Okay. Well, look, I will try Arcane and I get it. I I, I do like with the crown. It's not always the most exciting, but I think at a certain point I became invested in the characters and in the story. And I really liked the way that they would tell story. Like there's one episode in particular that I'm thinking of where Prince Philip went to a boy's school and and another part of it is like, this is all real. Like it really happened. He went to this boy's school who, by the way, Prince Philip is the husband of the queen and he went and it was really difficult for him. And then he sends his son, Prince Charles to the same one. And it's really difficult for different reasons. And like the whole episode, it jumps back and forth between Philip and Charles and like how both as children, how they handle the school. And I love the way that they tell that story. And, and also it's just really like human. It's like, as a, as a dad, you want your kids to do the same things you did, but then what happens when they don't want to, right. Or like people on the outside (laughs) say, you can't like, don't send your son to that school anymore. Right. And it's, I don't know. It's just, I liked it a lot. And, but I get it. You know, everybody has different tastes. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but yeah, that that is what I've been watching, um, and it's been really enjoyable. But I'll have to I'll have to try Arcane. It'll be it'll be something that I I get to probably this week, and I'll let you know what I think. Please do. I look forward to your review. So, how is school going? How is how are classes for you? They're going pretty well. I think that you know I always am not sure on like how the difficulty will pan out for any given semester, but I think it's going to be pretty doable. So essentially what I'm doing, I'll break break down more or less what's going on here. 
I am doing a business certificate in addition to cinema and media arts. So that means that there are now more Kelly courses to take, mm. which is potentially a pro or con, depending on who you ask. But thankfully, perhaps they are courses for non-majors, at least most of them. So it's like they're not expecting you to come in with lots of knowledge or anything like that. It's just we're going to teach you, starting from the ground up, all these different business principles. So I have, as far as just quickly, quickly breaking down all my classes here, I have a seminar for the for the business certificate. And the second class I'm doing is called Legal Environment of Business. That's mostly what it sounds like. You're making corporations, breaking corporations, so taught by a lawyer. I think that one's going to be interesting. I thought to myself before, maybe it'd be fun to be a lawyer someday. Then I quickly talk myself out of it once I figure out what lawyers (laughs) Mm -hmm. actually do for a living. And then after that, I just have economics, I have accounting, and then I have one media class, I'll, I'm sure I'll have more next time, but I was having to squeeze in a lot of business stuff this time. And I have one, one class about video games. I always pick video game classes if I can because those tend to be fairly fun. But next time I'll be on to like single camera production and everything, and that will open the doors to, to having mostly media classes from that point on out and just a few business yeah. instead of what I'm doing right now, which is like 99% business. <laughs> which uh, video game class are you in? Uh, beep this out, future Zachary. I'm in... Okay, yeah, that's what, okay. And you walk past it when you go there on Tuesday and Thursday. Got it, got it, got it. And did you did you take music and video games already, or did you have any interest in that? I am interested in it. I don't think they had it this ah. time, or maybe I couldn't find it, or maybe there was a conflict. Got it. I am not, like, against take yet, but I know that it didn't pan out this time. If Yeah, if you need any, like, if you need an elective or just another course in the media school, I loved it. I loved it a lot. Combines two interests for me and also two interests for you. Yep. Yep, and you literally the homework part of it at least is you you play Undertale. <laughs> oh, that's good. I played Hollow Knight, but that's only because I already played Undertale. Anyway, that's a lot of business classes, and I feel very sorry for you because I could never ever ever do that. So okay, 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 okay. So <laughs> let me let me tell you. Whenever, like we know we know people who go to Kelly, we know people who major in business, and we also I think. But me and you both know people who also do like these terrible majors such as science and biology and all these like horrible things that I would do horribly. What's interesting is like I get that I'm taking the intro courses. I get that this is this might get hard quickly. We, we will see. But honestly, from the two weeks, well, one and a half, but about to be two weeks I've taken, this stuff has actually been really interesting in my opinion and very doable. Again, it's the intro. Like who knows mm-hmm. by the end I might be begging for mercy and once you go on it gets bad. <laughs> but this I was expecting like very high level of difficulty and maybe it's like can be difficult in some places, but it's just it's very interesting to me. Hmm. So if I am still having a good time by the end of this year, I might see if I, instead of a certificate, I can do a minor. I don't know. We'll figure something out, but it doesn't seem like as big of a deal as I had chalked it up to be. Again, these are intro courses. Like <laughs> don't uh, quote me on this in a year from now, but like standing here today, yes, there's work, but it's doable work and it's interesting work and we're learning a lot. So yeah, you know, ask me again in a year if I still want to do things at Kelly and I'll let you know. Yeah, that, that's really cool. I'm glad that it's not bad so far then. That's, that's really good to here yeah well i i will be curious to know how the rest of the semester pans out and people have told me that like kelly does get competitive like further on obviously people fighting for jobs and so on but and that's probably true but i am again i want to work in the airy fairy land of media you know whether that be videos whether that be podcasts i don't Mm -hmm. want to have business the main thing but i do want to be a helpful asset in case i work for a large company i want to have that under my belt honestly that's what i'm realizing a lot recently is like how important it is to have something 
practical that is yours. Like, oh yeah, my I think maybe I've even talked on the podcast about this before, but my uncle, um, my I guess great uncle, but I just call him my uncle, whatever. Uh, it, he was an electrician for a long, a long time, and like he was just telling me once. I remember this. You you have to have something and make it your thing, like something that you can take to people and say, "This is mine. I know how to do it." You can pay me for it if you want. And honestly, for, for something like being an electrician, that is incredibly practical. Like, if you were an electrician, you could go anywhere and get a job. Yeah, especially now. Yeah, exactly. Like, if you graduate from Kelly with a business degree, that's yours. Like, you can take that anywhere because that's your knowledge, you know? And so for me, really, I'm trying to be – I'm trying to learn as much as I can about everything so I can do anything and and take it everywhere and just say, hey, this is what I can do. You can pay me for it. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question about your uncle's advice. So yes. is he saying like you need to, as far as getting a degree, like you want something about that degree to be unique? Because I know, yes, you can get a degree, but also there are plenty of other people that have that degree. Mm. The question is like, what special things can you bring to the table? Like I have this, but check it out. This is on the side. So that makes me more cool. Is that kind of what your uncle's saying? Or is he just saying it's good to have your own degree, generally speaking? I think, well, I think his point is like, because, you know, there are people who go to school for four years and get a degree, but they don't mm-hmm. really know much about their field. Um, right? You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Okay. I, I'm understanding his advice yeah. now. I'm and understanding. And so for, for him, I think what he meant was just like, you know it. Like, like if I learn how to use InDesign, I can go anywhere and say, I know how to use InDesign and I can do this for you. I can do that for you. And here's my rate, you know, and if you learn how to do business stuff with this, you know, certificate, you can go anywhere and say, this is what I'm good at. And this is what you need to be paying me if I'm going to be doing work for you. (laughs) You know what I mean? And like, it's yours. Yeah. It's all about, I took this degree to the fullest. I learned what I needed to learn. I didn't slack off and I know that I'm good and you need to pay me money because I know that I'm good. Yeah. That kind of thing. Exactly. Because like one of the editing classes I took last semester, the teacher, they basically just said, I won't do rates for less than this because I know how good I am and I know that I can find jobs that pay me this much. Mm -hmm. I won't do it for less than X thousand. If you come to me with less than X thousand I'm sorry, you yep. pay me more. Like I will find better jobs and we'll kind of wait around and, and make more for my time, ultimately speaking. Which is why, like, so for me right now, I'm in a couple of classes that I'm really excited about because they are helping me develop that knowledge base of th- these are my skills. You know what I mean? So I'm in, okay, so to, to start, I was in ceramics um, as just kind of a fun creative class. And then I just, I didn't, (laughs) for reasons that I won't get into, I dropped the class and uh, then I added printmaking, which was really fun, except that I I was asking around and people, I was asking like, oh, like, what's your major? You know, and they were like, ah, like fashion design, studio design, photography, like all of these Eskenazi kids, you know, who, <laughs> who are like actual artists and can actually do stuff. And that was even more apparent when we started doing prints. And I was like, I, I, I felt incredibly out of place. <laughs> and, uh, and, and just, it also helps with my schedule and I, I want to be doing more, I don't know. I want to be doing more like practical stuff with design this semester, like working on my portfolio and, and just, learning how to design more for things, not just for the purpose of art, if that makes sense. So I dropped that and now I'm taking a second eight weeks course that hasn't started yet. I think it's called the history of media, which I'm really excited about. Um, 
Hopefully it's not too much extra work, but we will see. I'm taking <laughs> an integrated marketing communication uh, campaign planning class. Specific. Which sounds incredibly boring, I'm sure. Yeah. But uh, basically the first part of that IMC, integrated marketing communication, just means it's a campaign where you are broadcasting the same thing on all channels. Um, that's what integrated marketing communication means. And then campaign planning is obviously just planning a campaign for advertising. But it's really cool because I get to work with a group and we like make an advertising agency and we get to work with a local business on an advertising campaign. So, um, and we each have positions. So I'm, I'm one of the creatives on the team. So I'll be working on the copy and the design, um, which is really fun. So that's that class. Um, I'm taking, let's see here. Cause I know, oh, that's what it is. I haven't gone yet. Uh, it's my history of video games class, which is the professor had COVID. So we haven't been in class yet. The first meeting is actually tomorrow. I have yet to see what that one is like. So we'll see. And then I'm taking graphic design, which is super cool. And I'm really, I'm very excited that I'm taking it. Um, right now we're in InDesign, which is a bit of a, I don't love InDesign <laughs> and not many people do, but it's good to learn because you know, I can go to someone and say, Hey, I can, you know, redesign your menu for this restaurant, or I can help you with this publication or whatever. So I'm learning about typography and design and all this stuff, which is, it's really practical, which is really useful for what I want to do. So, uh, that's really good. And then I'm in a intro to fiction class, which is really cool. Um, it's going to be a lot of work. And he even said that at the top of the class, but like just reading short stories for the fun of it and also for the academic side of it and like analyzing is really cool. Um, and I know we're going to talk later about books and stuff, but it just helps overall. It helps me with reading more and just enjoying reading more. So, so yeah, those are all my classes. And so far first we kind of kicked my butt to be honest, but I'm, I feel like I'm kind of getting, you know, it always takes a few weeks to get the hang of your schedule and all that. So yeah. And to learn the 17 different learning management systems, it's like, Oh, we're going to use top hat <laughs> and we're going to use grab nab and we're going to use Lukey Pookie. <laughs> and then we're, make sure to make a login for like all this stuff. It's like, what the heck is going on? Like uh, each class funny. has, for, at least for me, it feels like each class has not only Canvas, but two additional yeah. and not overlapping learning systems. It's like, guys, Canvas can do quizzes too. Chill. Anyway. <laughs> yep. Yep. Totally. I totally agree. It's, it's, it's not okay. How many different things we have to use? So question, I've already had history of video games. I believe... The gentleman's name was Rufford Gaines or something like that. I'm probably mispronouncing it. Yeah, that's that's who I have. I was never quite sure how to pronounce the name. Sorry there, Professor, if you're listening, which you're probably not. Uh, but yes, that was good. That was on the in the good old online days of spring 2020. And then I had Intro to Fiction as well with shout-outs to Professor Andrea Whitaker, who I believe moved mm. away and such. Aww. But yeah, that was a good class too. Good. I have, I have a guy named uh, Ben Story. And he, he's really great. He's very charismatic and fun, and I love his teaching style. He reminds me a lot of Miss Joni, actually. Shout out to Miss Joni, our old literature teacher. I actually have 
Well, she'll come up later in the episode. Continue. Yeah. Anyway, no, that, but yeah, I, I'm really, if, if you give a good review on this history of video games guy, then I'm going to really enjoy my classes this semester because I, I really, I like all my professors. They're really, they're all very, very good people. So everyone I have this semester is really good because sometimes like what's happened in the past is like three of the people are good. One's okay. And one's super disorganized, something like that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you kind of got to <laughs> hope for the best sometimes. Like you're, you're on the schedule and you're like rating my professor, going on rate my professor and doing everything <laughs> and like trying to figure out who's good and considered to be good and who's not. What I generally care about is I would rather have someone who's super organized. Like I, I put that if I'm building like my, a custom professor that I would really want to have teaching organization and communication is at the top. Being able to teach is in second place. Weirdly enough, those things are not reversed, but huh. everyone I have this semester is really good and highly, highly recommended. Shout outs to them. Yeah. No, that's, that's funny. I would definitely put like teach teaching skill above organization and communication because yeah, like I've had professors before where I just, they're just good people and good communicators and I enjoy going to class and that makes all the difference in the amount of work I put in. That's true. But it's funny that we, we have different, you know, preferences like that. Also, you should use the OCQs. What, what does that stand for? The, uh, Something course questionnaires that I can't remember the yes, acronym yes. for what it is. Yeah, got it. Whatever it is, use that. Yeah, I always do. Yeah, because I, I, I always use just rate my professor, which is helpful, but... Yeah, that helps other people, but IU is not like looking at it. And yes. Because like someone on, on Reddit, the most trustworthy source said like, I am a professor and we do look at those, you know, OCQs and we do especially use them to try to make the course better because it's like mm-hmm. hard for us as instructors to know what's working and what isn't because we aren't students, so... And, you know, we know yep. the material, so we don't know if we're doing a good job and all this stuff. So basically always yeah. fill them out and then, yeah, they will hopefully adjust the course based on that and try to make it better over time. Yeah, because I can, I can go into the OCQ like thing and I can look up a professor in a certain class and it'll tell me like how many students would recommend this person. Oh, really? Yeah, that's what that's what I'm saying is. Whoa, Hang on. It's like Rate My Professor, but it's got way more data. Hold the phone. I'm going to do this right now. Yeah. So, so like, it tells you... OCQ student dashboard, question mark? Yeah. Do uh, Go to, like, 1IU and type in um, OCQ, and then you can go in and literally just search, like, the class, and then it'll give you the option of the professor. And they don't always have them, like, if it's a grad student teaching it or something, but... You know, you can get a good idea of the amount of time you'll have to spend on it, how how good the professor is. You can't see comments mm-hmm. like you can on my rate my professor. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a good good thing. Yeah, but <laughs> so I I use both, but I love the fact that like the OCQ thing is really just accessible and like easy to anyway. It it's great. So use that next time that you're scheduling. Okay, I think I'm seeing it. Response distribution. Okay. Uh. Okay. So it's like aggregated by t- teacher. It looks like. Mm-hmm. Or can you look at individual ones? Because the one I'm looking at is top by four people and it's showing aggregate. If you click on all instructors and you can you can pick which one. Oh, wow. You Joe, you were dropping. Yeah. That's that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my weather professor last year told me about this and I was like, what? Yeah, that is like not easy to find as well. Because the thing is, one.iu is like old and creaky and doesn't work half the time. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. So you want to go to online course questionnaires. If you're searching for OCQ and one.iu. Click on online course questionnaires with a red computer icon to turn in the questionnaires. Like, what do I think about my classes? Then the OCQ student dashboard, to my knowledge, is different because that's where you look at them. So it's like not very obvious, but 
IU students. That, yeah, this is cool. Wow. Why do they not tell us about this stuff? Right? What else are they not telling us about? It's like all sorts of right? secret stuff in here. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Oh, you, you can like have multiple ones open at once? Good grief. Yeah. It's really cool. Like you can have all your classes open at once and see like how many hours this is going to take. How many hours does that, you know, how many people say that, you know, this professor is good. And it's it's really helpful. And that's what I used for, you know, all my dropping and adding classes this this semester. So yeah, there you go. I like how one of the meters says, on the left, bring your own motivation, and on the right, instructor supply. That's hilarious to me. Yeah. Bring yeah, your own motivation. Yeah. You're going to need it. Mm-hmm. I've been wondering something about, like, the way you use your phone. Because mm. sometimes when people show me how they use their phones, like, what are you doing? All the apps are in weird <laughs> places and got, like, a 770,962 emails with the badge on. <laughs> it's like, what, what are people doing? But you showed me something on your phone one time, just sort of casually. And you had like 10 or more people on Find My Friends. Now, here's what's interesting. People still call it Find My Friends, but Apple at some point changed. Basically, they took two apps and combined them. They took Find My Friends, which does what it sounds like, and Find My iPhone, which, again, pings to your devices and helps you find them. They combined those into what the same app, which makes sense. That's the Finding Things app. They called it Find Mine. That's not a great name in my opinion. But anyway, I digress. You had a million people in Find Mine, and I'd like you to explain yourself, young man. <laughs> yeah, to start... I have mostly my family, so I've got, you know, siblings and parents and stuff, so we can all see where each other are. Um, beyond that, really, it's not a lot. Let me, I'm, I'm looking at my phone. Um, so the only people outside of my family that I have are my roommate, Jake, uh, <laughs> uh, Haley Lackey, who maybe is going to be a guest at some point. We'll see. Let's hope. Yep. Kate Holsapple. Also a guest. Wow. Getting all the guests. Yeah. Yeah. And then do you know Kate? You know Katie Wang, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I have her as well. So let me just explain. (laughs) Me and Jake shared each other's location with the other one um, before we got to college because we were going to college together. We were like, well, if you ever end up in a ditch somewhere, like I want to be able to, you know, (laughs) come help you out or whatever. Um, And then it just worked out because we're roommates now and we, you know, I can see when he's at home or, you know, if he's Whatever. It just, it helps. Yeah, that makes total sense. With Haley and Kate, those were two that I just kind of, at some point I was like, come, you know, can you pick me up or or whatever? And then I ended up just sharing it and then never stopped. And they shared theirs with mine. And so, I don't know, it's it's not, I, I don't check them all the time or anything, but it's kind of fun to just like, you know, <laughs> if I'm looking where Jake is or we're looking where my siblings are or whatever. Like to see, oh, Haley's over there, you know, or Kate's at work or whatever, um, which also helps because, you know, when I go see Kate at work, like I'm like, oh, I need to make sure she's there. But if I want to surprise her, I can't text her. So, OK, those two things make complete sense. Yeah. With with Katie, it's, <laughs> um, you know, I think I was on the cycling team with her my freshman year. And I think at one point she was picking me up from something and I just needed to I I wanted her to know where I was or she wanted me to know where she was or something. Same story, different tune. Exactly. So it was just, it was convenient. And like we, it's not like we see each other a ton anymore, but it's just kind of fun to to have somebody on there, you know? Okay. Maybe it was just the fact that there are a million people in your family mm, yes. that made it seem like there are tons of people because it's like, oh, only three or four of them are friends. So yeah, it must've just been like the sheer size of your family was impressing me on how many people were like how many dots were on the map because i know i know that some people have like their whole friend group or whatever on their on their like they all share it with each other and that's fine but like i think it just depends on the health of the friends you know yeah because i know that 
people have used it in bad ways before, you know, and shown up at things that they shouldn't be at. And you know what I'm saying? And and it, it can definitely be abused if you share it with the wrong people. So I try not to do that, which is why I have who I have, which means if you don't have my location, then you're not my real friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Friendship test right there. Just kidding, just kidding. You know, you know. I only have my immediate four family members and that's that's it. And so what's kind of interesting, like the app you talked about, you know, being creepy and showing up when you're not supposed to and all this stuff, Apple actually changed how it worked kind of slowly over time. Used to, you could create a notification, like tell me when this person leaves their location. Tell me when this person arrives at my location. Now it's like a bit more privacy focused because what it will do is whenever you make that notification, it will say, okay, we're going to do it. Also, let's say I'm doing it with you, Joe, even though we don't know where each other are on find my friends. Also, Joe will be notified that you're doing that. Would you like to proceed? So you can't like be silently mm. tracking people all the time. Yeah. Cause it's like, if I want to know when you arrive at my location, so like I know when to let you in or whatever, it will send to Joe's phone. Zachary <laughs> is now watching <laughs> your every move. He knows, or not even your every move, but he knows when he will be notified when you arrive. So that's just to keep everyone on the up and up and to not have people stalking you and like you can remove them if things are going weird and so on. So, and that's annoying to me. (laughs) (laughs) I'd always use it to know when my family gets back home. So I'm like obviously aware of that and they're not like, I can come talk to them and everything. So it's annoying to me that they always get sent notifications when I do it. And so I sort of mostly gave up, but it's like, it's good. It's good for stalking, stalking prevention purposes. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. There we go. Uh, hmm, Transition time. Transition. Well, speaking of books or whatever it is, wait, yeah. Oh, no. Speaking of piano, <laughs> um, well, we did actually speak of piano. I know, but you know, come on. You got to got to come up with that transition somewhere, you know. Confidence. Confidence. Yes. So, do you are you playing like a lot still? Are you still trying to learn jazz stuff? Yes, still trying to do it a lot. I probably practice 30 minutes a day for three or four days out of the week, so it's definitely not happening every day, but when I do sit down, it's 30 to probably 30 to 40 minutes somewhere in there. And maybe closer to an hour if I really get into it. But what I'm doing, I'm using this website called Open Studio Jazz to teach me a bunch of voicings. Oh, and because to the magic of like recording everything on my computer, I think that I can actually show you what I've been learning. I'm learning a major voicing. Or actually, let me actually just open my notes here and we can geek out about the theory or whatever. So, oh boy. First of all, I'm learning a major nine, which is the, I'm just going to do it in C because easy, you know, uses white notes, whatever. I'm doing mm-hmm. a major ninth. The root is C. And then we're going to add the third, which is E. So now we have C and E in the left hand. That's pretty, pretty straightforward. Now we're going to add a major seventh, which is B in the right hand, a ninth, which is E, and then a fifth, which is G. So what we have left hand, it plays C and E. And then the right hand plays B, E, and G. If you want to go from playing major in that style to minor in that style, all you do is move the E down to a minor third. So instead of having E be the major third of C, you have E flat be the minor third of C, which hopefully that makes sense. And then you change it from being a major seventh, which is, of course, B for C, the C major scale. You change it to be a minor seventh, which is B flat. But every single other note stays the same because fifth doesn't change in a minor context and ninth doesn't change in a minor context. So you've got these two voicings. There's the major way to do it. Here's the minor way to do it. And then you have to learn to do it in the circle of fourths, which have fun with that. Oh, man. Well, the circle of fourths or the circle of fifths? Actually, I'm pretty good at the circle of fifths, but I'm bad at the circle of fourths, so I'm always doing the circle of fourths. Got it. To 
brush up my knowledge. That's good. It's super intuitive and natural for me to go like, oh, C, it must be G because C, E, G is a major triad. Like it's easy for me to think about the major triad and know the fifth and hard for me to quickly know the fourth because like C, F, B flat, E flat, and then it's already getting fuzzy and I can't quite tell what happens mm-hmm. next. So I'm memorizing it very slowly. Man, well, that's, that's really, uh, yeah, I wish I was doing that. Oh, I'm actually doing two more things other than that. This is like only exciting for me and Joe, but I'm still going to talk about it. I'm also learning a dominant seventh chord. The voicing I'm using is G. Let's say G is the root. G is one. So we're going to play G. Then we have a dominant seven, which is F. So you're playing the stretch where you have G and F in the, you know, one octave apart in the left hand. So you got that. And then you play the third, which is B in this case. And then you play the 13th which is also the same thing as six, but it's considered the 13th because it's like a G 13th chord kind of deal. That's E. And then you play the ninth, which is A, which sounds like this. It's very nice and jazzy. And then what you can actually do is you can add a flat 13th and flat ninth, so just move those top two notes down. And that has more of a tension E sound. So like what this is building to is play the good old two, five, one, which like D, G, C, let's use that as an example. That's the progression you use. And, and I'm playing the altered version because it's like this kind of thing. It just like is begging for you to resolve back to C. And you don't have to do altered. It's just like if you didn't play it altered, it would still sound good, just different. Versus. So yeah, I'm working on that. I mean, the eventual end goal once I get all the chords kind of like to my fingers quickly would be two, five, one around the circle of fifths. So start with D and then move to G, G, C, F, and then do it like, you know, with the altered dominant seventh in the whole nine yards. So that's like kind of a headache, but once you, it's it's interesting, like it's hard for me to tell you what the notes are, but once you get them under your fingers, you can really like start flying around. It's a whole thing. And then I'm learning, trying to learn to sight read music. I'm on this program called, or this rather this website, which is called Sight Reading Factory. It just creates, you tell it how hard you want the music to be and it creates music that you play along to and sight read and, mm because it's always generating new music you can't memorize the piece and like it it has to be sight reading for you to successfully play through and play along with the synth piano and like obviously it's pretty obvious if you get it wrong because you and the synth piano play two very different notes Mm -hmm. i'm learning a lot slower than i want to but i am going to eventually be good to the point where like once you know all this stuff there's like six or seven chords i want to know like off the top of my head and what should happen is you can pick up like any jazz standard basically any jazz standard and sort of start going with it because if you just if you truly have the voicings ready to go c dominant seven okay cool g minor seventh okay cool you just look at the chart and it tells you what to do yeah no that's great there's also a website called musictheory.net which is something i learned when i was learning piano which helps with note identification so if you want to use that one as well you can i liked it a lot but yeah anyway that's really cool i i love all of that and i think that that's a very noble pursuit, and I wish that I was doing the same. However, <laughs> you're not. Uh-oh. Well, the biggest problem right now is that the piano that I thought I was going to use or be able to use at my house is not working. Oh yeah, that yes, that was a very sad time for everyone. Yeah, so I can't can't use that, um, which means that I really can't play that much. Unfortunately, what I might do is. I might try to move a piano into my house, but that's a kind of a lot of work. So we'll see if that actually happens. Yeah. Good thing pianos are so light. To be honest with you, I'm not practicing a ton right now. Um, I really want to. What I honestly will probably start doing 
is, is doing that note identification thing. Um, cause that I've always struggled with reading music. I, I can do it if I need to, but I am just bad at it. And I would much prefer to just play and just kind of figure it out as I go. But the point is, is that sight reading is not my strong suit. So I think one way I can practice even without playing is just in that sense. It's interesting. Cause I'm not explicitly practicing this, but I have also been like, because remember back when I took the perfect pitch test and got like 7 out of 10, even though I was hoping to get 8 out of 10 or whatever, but uh-huh. apparently I'm 70 to 80% accurate with that. Whenever I listen to music and, you know, movie, TV shows, all this stuff, I do try to identify the notes as best I can. And I think I'm getting a little better because the tough ones for me were F sharp, G sharp, and A sharp, aka B flat, which everyone calls it. Yeah, those were the hardest ones, but I think I'm getting to the point where I can go like, that's F. I'm not, I promise I'm not lucky at the piano. Yes, it's F. So I think I can like generally... Yeah, B flat. I guess I'm cheating a little bit because I know whether it's black or white, but like I'm getting to the point where I'm more able to identify those those hard notes. Mm, That's really cool. That's very. That's. I'm. I'm glad that you're doing that because you played all those notes just now, and I had no idea what you were doing. (laughs) I'm excited because if Haley's on next time, or like some no pressure, Haley. What you know, if you're listening, but if we are able to have her on it would be cool to kind of talk about identifying notes Mm because my strategy for trying to guess what a key of the song is is try to figure out where the one is because for worship music it's like oh it's easy to find the one because like it's always the chord we start with it's so easy and we resolve back to it so (laughs) the one is like staring you in the face if we resolve back to like then it's like okay this song must be an f we're resolving back to f as number one now that doesn't always work for every song because if you like are listening to a jazz song maybe they're on purpose never going to the one they're always just hanging out in two five six and like you have to really know what you're doing and listen for it and in that case i will generally think like if oh you you keep hitting the two that it must be in the key of like let's say the two is g because it's in the key of f or something this song must be in the key of g and it's like no it's not sorry wah, wah. but well with pop and worship <laughs> music you can generally figure out what the one is without too much of a problem and i, I always like to do that just with like the numbers or whatever because i can just kind of hear what a, 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 you know, a four or five or six or one sounds like and know that that's what they're playing, which is really fun for me. Um, but I can't figure out what it actually is. <laughs> so honestly, that's okay with me, but you know what C is. Well, uh, how about, is this C? Wait, uh, yep. You got it. Duh. That's C. Okay. So maybe I do have C. I have C. And here's the funny thing. Can you go like one step up or down to get B or C sharp for free as well? Like, I, I feel like you could. Um, uh, yep, now you have B for free. Uh, no. Yeah, so you can just like walk it up or down and count, and now you can go to any note for free. Check it out. That's cool, actually. I don't know how I have C. I think, oh, that's white. No, I know. Hey Jude, right? Yep, it's Hey Jude. Hey Jude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what it is. That's what it is. I don't have ones for every note, but I B is So What by Miles Davis. And A is so what mm. by Miles Davis. Like, dinner. B, A. So those are pretty huh. locked in there because of that. But like the other ones are just sort of, you kind of know what they sound like. Huh. That's cool. That's really cool. I'm, I'm glad that you're learning things. Um, and speaking of learning things. Oh, yeah. We learn things from books, don't we, Zachary? Occasionally. We sure do. 
endless source of knowledge. And uh, what what books are you are you reading right now? What are you what are you thinking? Uh, right now, I'm reading all sorts of stuff, but it's more interesting to talk about like what's in the past because then I actually know what my opinion is on those books. Mm, very true. One that I did when we were visiting grandparents in St. Louis in December of 2021, I was there, and I wanted just a book that I knew for a 100% chance I liked. So I decided to go with Educated by Tara Westover. Now, shout outs to Miss Joni, me and Joe. We were in the same homeschool class mm-hmm. and we were given a choice. I don't remember what the other one was. It was Killers of the Flower Moon, which was a solid book. Okay, so two solid choices. We could either do that or we could do Educated. I ultimately chose Educated by Tara Westover because I thought it would be better. And I'm happy with my decision because I didn't do the super consistently, but I tried to for a while have like books I considered book of the year. And I think that that didn't really work much past 2018 because I'd read so much good stuff and it's like this ties for, it's not one thing clearly beating another thing. So it's hard to pick the book of the year sometimes, but that time, I think I read it in 2018. Don't quote me on that. I think that's when it came out and when I read it, I'd consider it the book of the year, no problem for 2018. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I'd never read it. What's so interesting about educated is that the there's many themes to it. There's like perseverance and getting along with your family and all sorts of many different themes and things to be to be had. It is written by Tara Westover autobiographically about her growing up in this very, 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 very conservative Utah house that they were this is where I'm gonna mess things up. I don't remember the exact religion. I think it was Mormonism. I think it's Mormonism. Yeah, that's yeah. what it was. Basically the religion they are a part of. It's very strict. It's like, you know, the Women need to wear very specific things. They need to stay home. The men work out in the fields all day. It's like very much, even though this was happening in like, I think, I don't know, 2004 or five, something like that. It's very much like Little House on the Prairie type type deals. And and there's nothing inherently wrong with that. The tough part for Tara Westover is that like it was an abusive, not like, well, one person basically did the abuse, one of the siblings, but it was like essentially not a good situation to spend your days in, like to put it mildly. (laughs) The family was very paranoid when it came to education and the government and didn't want their kids. I think they let the oldest ones go, but then eventually pulled them out to work in the farm and they didn't want anything to do with the public school system or anything like that because the dad was very paranoid. Now, the mom was less paranoid and was kind of just going along with what the dad said, but the dad was very clearly, especially in the beginning, no public school or no education for you. And you can kind of get away with that if you're like if your life plan is to work for your family. But what ultimately happens is there is the split because some of the family members do go to college and kind of create their own life and semi separate from the family, but other ones eventually decide that like education isn't for me and so I'm going to keep working for my family. What happens is that they get to be like 32 years old with their own family. They've got people to support. They've got bills to pay. So they keep working for their own family and they're like semi, semi trapped because they didn't ever get, you know, educated. Hence the book title. Anyway, it's all about her. It's all about her journey to be educated. And it really got me thinking, this is what I is my ultimate takeaway. If I had to really get it down to a 10 second pitch, which is thinking about what a privilege it is to be educated. And then I also wrote in the doc. No, really it is because it was like, <laughs> sometimes there are days, you know, me and Joe, we might not want to go to school. It's cold outside. A lot of work, people are coughing, it's like, et cetera. There's a million reasons to not give it give it your all. And like, you know, your uncle said, it's kind of hard to get the full effect is because we've all, you know, met people who quote unquote have a degree or certification and then they like, no, you know more than them or like, it's like, why are you working this job, et cetera. But it's truly an important thing to be educated. I had to suffer through, I say that, I suffered through a lot of classes that I did not like at all that you sort of just have to take as part of middle school and high school. But the fact that I took them gave me the ability to do like the types of critical thinking and talking about things that I do today. I think were it not for the many slightly 
dumb classes that I didn't want to take. It was like reading all these books, <laughs> all this stuff. And had I not taken those classes, it, I wouldn't be interested in things I am today. I wouldn't be, you know, having a podcast with Joe. I wouldn't be talking people's ears off about all this stuff like educated by Tara Westover. But it's true. Education really does shape you to be a very like particular type of person in the sense of like, you know how to learn. You know how to persevere for things when they're not super easy. And better yet, you know how to like kind of work hard and buckle down so that you can relax later. Like it, it teaches all the stuff. And people who are not, unfortunately, like given this privilege of education, these might be like, oh, that's good. You can work for your family and not have to ever deal with this stuff. And they don't have to deal with this stuff, but they're also, they have very few options. They trade the momentary inconvenience for not really having options. So it's just, it's just an awesome story. She was basically like able to kind of break free from this not great at best of times and and abusive and slightly dysfunctional, well, who am I kidding? A lot dysfunctional family at the worst <laughs> of times. She was able to break free and I was watching this YouTube video of her, which was great. And she's like, you know, like, I don't know if this is, would be considered offensive, et cetera, but she's very normal. She is a, a nice young woman who is like, it's, you would never know that there was like this weird childhood situation that happened. It's like, I am completely, completely out of here. Hmm. Goodbye. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely like, I need to read that book cause I never did. But when I think about how much we undervalue knowledge and education, it, it, it is really sad. And it's more evident when you read stuff like that or, you know, hear somebody say something like that. So yeah, no, I, I should I should probably read that book at some point. Oh man! So the nonfiction pick I'd give for one that I've done recently is called "How to Win at College" by Cal Newport. I'll I'll talk more about it probably some other episode. But there's some really interesting tips in there. And again, I don't agree with all of them, but that's just essentially like each chapter. I think there's like some nice round number, like sixty tips or whatever. But he has all these these tips, and it's like, for example, care about your grades, ignore your GPA. That's interesting. Uh, it's an interesting mm. thing to break down. Never pull an all nighter. Agree with that. <laughs> BS. Come on. <laughs> this book is t- zero out of ten. Literally unreadable. <laughs> don't get a normal job. Exercise five days a week. Don't study in your room. Decorate your room. That's interesting. So I'm just sort of randomly reading mm. through the chapters. Yeah. Uh, let's see what else. Make your bed. Yeah, I, I mostly agree with that. Don't do all of your reading. Like this is the most fun chapter. It's like in order to have enough time to have a functional life, you must find which readings are the most important and which ones can be laid on the floor to not do. And that's kind of interesting for me because mm. I'm very much of the personality where it's like, I guess I got to do all this stuff. Sometimes it's like, eh, there's this 90 page thing or whatever. And like, of course, that's an extreme example. But sometimes what the professor wants you to learn is like becomes evident in class and there was no need to read this big thing. And yep. you, you kind of have to do some give and take there and make good use of your time, which is all what this book tries to teach you, how to make good use of your time. I like that. I like that. Maybe that'll be like a graduation present I'll give to people or something. Yeah, definitely. You can like pass it down and the person gets it for four years or, or honestly, it probably just is needed for freshmen. So yeah. just keep passing it down with freshmen and so on. There you go. Eventually I will talk about this really good one I'm doing right now called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. It is ridiculously good. It's talking about how like the problem with being a human is that you have only so many days on the planet and like we don't like to think about it, but Ooh. it talks about basically how to make peace with your limited lifespan and how to make peace with the fact like you can't do everything you want to do and maybe that's okay. Like you can't be as productive and organized as you want to be and maybe that's okay because he in the intro talks about how he used to be like very obsessed with productivity, which is probably something I used to be obsessed with as well and basically like trying to figure out the best way to stay organized and keep track of everything and what he eventually figured out is that is literally impossible no one's ever had a good work-life balance Mm. no matter how much you try to think of good systems and like highlight things and try to mess with different programs like there will always be some degree of chaos because life is inherently chaotic 
So the trick is we need to make peace. We need to stay as organized as we can and we need to make peace with it. Well, so I finished it, but also I finished it and it was like so dense and interesting that I didn't feel like I got the full effect. So I'm rereading it and taking pretty careful notes and trying to go slow. So once I've sort of like figured out what this book is, because I know what this book is saying, but there's just so much good stuff and I'm trying to figure out how to best apply it. So once I've quote unquote processed this book, I'll talk about it on the show. All right. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, for me, stuff, really, this is just stuff that I'm reading right now. So yeah, for like sort of a fun book, um, I'm reading Mother Night by Kurt Vonnegut. I didn't talk about this already on the podcast, did I? You did not. You talked about Slaughterhouse-Five and we had a disagreement about whether it was good. You didn't mention anything about like your opinion on Mother Night. So, okay. So Mother Night, I haven't finished it yet, to be clear, but the storyline as someone would need to know it is essentially that um, there is this... uh, American who lives in Germany and around the time of World War II, um, he he becomes a propagandist for the Nazi um, regime. And he says all these horrible things, puts all these horrible things out. And after the war, he claims that he was a U.S. agent, but the United States is not really helping him out in that arena. Um, and so although he didn't, mean it necessarily he still did it and so he's the the book takes place um i it's not it's kind of weird but he is like in israel for i think those what were the the nuremberg trials maybe is what i've heard that don't quote me on that i could be completely wrong but um in the 60s when they rounded up all of these old war criminals who had fleed um he is the, the main character is there because factually he did all of that stuff but did he mean it? Does that matter? Like it's a whole, it's a whole question of moral grayness. You know what I mean? Um, and obviously it's curvonic. So it's hilarious at some times. Um, I, I, I honestly like, and I'm looking forward to reading it later tonight when I, if I get a chance, like it's one of those books where I just, I'm inundated with it and I, and I want to finish it and I want to read it. And when I read it, I'm enjoying it, you know? So um, that would be my recommendation right now. Um, it's very, very, very good. And then, yeah, so for my like nonfiction one, I think it's, there's another book that I picked up called The Innovation Crisis. Um, and I, I, I started it. I haven't finished it. I've kind of hit a lull in it a little bit. I need to get back into it. But essentially, it's just talking about creating disruptive leadership in ministry which is to say that, you know, we are supposed to be innovating as Christians and and within ministries and stuff. And so he spends a lot of time calling out the church for not innovating very well. And, you know, we all kind of do what the other one does. And you can go basically anywhere in the United States and get a pretty similar experience at every church. Um, And there's nothing wrong with that. I think his point and something that I I agree with is that sometimes when, when these best practices um, are implemented, it becomes more about doing the service than what the service does, if that makes sense. So it's more about, you know, checking a box than it is about, you know, mm-hmm. talking about Jesus and you know what I'm saying? And like the important stuff. So, um, that's definitely been enlightening and yeah, I, I like it. I need to get back into it. Like I said, I kind of hit hit a wall a little bit with it, but, but yeah, I, I'll let you know how it is when I finish it. I'll let you know how both of them are when I finish them. So those are mine. There you go. 
Can you elaborate on what you think as far as like churches copying each other? And is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? What do you think? Yeah, that's a great question. I I think that it's not bad. Like that's the thing is best practices are best practices for a reason. And it's because they work. Um, I think that when the, the dangerous part, and it's hard to see when it happens, but the dangerous part is when those best practices become more important than the Great Commission, right? Yes, amen, 100,000%. Yeah, and and so that's that's really the, the only bad part. And I think that innovation is just a way to get out of that cycle of doing the, these things because they're the best practices, right? Like we, we should be doing things for the end goal of, you know, be fishers of men, right? So that's, at least in my opinion, that is, so it's not bad to do what other ministries are doing. You know, we, we do those things because they work. Um, but replacing the importance of the mission with like that is not good. So that, or at least that's what my current opinion is on the matter. So there you go. Yeah, I think it's tough because for for a lot of churches, it's easy to like slowly add things until it gets too complicated and, you know, make makes extra work for everybody and everything. And and next week we'll talk about church in the metaverse and VR and everything like that. But it's just kind of interesting because churches are always adding more and more stuff. And it's hard to say if that's like helping or hurting or whatever. And like the thing I told you a little while back is that like I am often asking myself if we were to start a church fresh with no previous expectations or like ideas and all memories of churches before had been wiped away, how would we do things? And we would start simple, but you know, over the years, just like has happened before, we'd probably make it more complicated, but you know, and that's why like, you know, shout outs to encounter. It's fairly, fairly simple. Like, yes, we're using, we're amplifying the sound, but other than that, it's like worship is simple. Mm -hmm. The lesson is relatively simple. And like, obviously you can always find someone who will argue in either direction. We can find some young person who's like, no more lasers. (laughs) And then we can find an old person who's like, "Eh, turn that music down. It's a hundred decibels. That's like, Mm -hmm. both those people maybe have fair points and there are definitely different ways to worship. But it is interesting because like the, as far as worship, 99.9% of the quote unquote mega churches, or at least churches that try to sort of keep up to date are more or less copying Bethel, copying Elevation, Uh, you know, singing their songs, make designing the stages in similar ways and like, there's a mm-hmm. conversation that's probably beyond the scope of this podcast about whether there really should be stages and lights and all these things. And uh, people smarter mm-hmm. than me have tried to figure out the answer and, and really who knows, but like if you are someone who's interested in going to ministry, you can think about it and not just worry about progressing the ministry, but you can worry about what, where can we do like strategic regression? Where can we pull some things back and simplify some things to get people like paying attention to God and not paying attention to like oh, all this all this overcomplicated stuff is, is causing more problems than it's worth. Yeah, because there's not, it's not inherently bad to copy other ministries. And and we do that instinctually because it works. And that that's just how humans do things. Um, but I think that innovation is a really good way to stir up the, the pot. I mean, people who innovate are usually the people who found churches, you know, because they are, they disagree with some way that the church is doing something and, and they want to do something different. And that's really great. But eventually that ministry will slow down and, you know, they will start to, you know, because it, it's always harder to be the guy who's handed a ministry than it is to be the guy who is, you know, starting something, which sounds backwards, but I promise it's not because it's really hard to be the guy who walks in after this thing has been going for 20 years and and be like, oh, I'm sorry, I completely misunderstood you. I completely misunderstood you. The hard one is to walk into an existing church, even though it seems like it's easy. Exactly. And, 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 and in some senses it is. 
But to have everyone's expectations on you of being like, oh, well, it's been like this. Like, what are you doing? And, you know, then you're, you are continuing on the life of something that you didn't even start and you may not have a passion for, which is why, you know, I think it's really important for like, if somebody's walking into a new position to be like, okay, well, why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? Why are we doing this this way? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Which, yeah, it's all important. Be that guy. Yep. Be that guy. What does the author propose, if anything, as far as what, like what type of innovations does he or she want to see happen? (laughs) So honestly, I haven't gotten there yet. (laughs) Um, He has defined the different stages of innovation or the lack thereof. And he, I'm in a chapter right now where he's talking about using the current wave of innovation, which probably looks a lot like, you know, digitizing church and, um, you know, using different platforms to reach people, you know, all that stuff. Get out your headset. (laughs) So, yeah, exactly. So, um, so yeah, but we'll, we'll get into more of that. I think next week with that technology side of things. So, or I guess in the next two weeks, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) And yeah, next time. VR, church in VR, which is something me and my grandpa is like, it's fun to talk about. I don't want to spoil it for, you know, next time, but people, they're always, as new technologies come out, they're like, oh, this is, you know, Satan's taking over (laughs) versus it's like, yeah, but if we can get people who wouldn't be in otherwise, but then that comes with the danger of existing Christians are going to not take things super seriously because they can just kind of lounge back and not get that community. I'm spoiling it. No spoils. No, I don't care. And I can hear it twice. It's all right. Yeah, it's very interesting. If you can hear it twice, like that's already an issue with live streaming because it is what you put into it. Like in the same sense that online school is like if you pay attention and are there for the lectures and so on and doing the work, you are getting in theory that's in like are signing up for office hours online, whatever. You're in theory getting a very similar experience to in person. However, 99% of people are playing Candy Crush and like have their camera off. So it one there's nothing like inherently bad about online school, but I think professors and everyone else inherently knows that people aren't taking it that seriously and versus like if you were like more of an adult learner in theory you want to be there and you're like fine to do it online and you'll pay attention but it's like it is what you make of it and it's hard to be intentional when placed in a situation where distractions are kind of infinite so that's my i think vr church will suffer from those same type of issues to where people aren't like oh they're playing beat saber on the you know left side and watching church (laughs) and it's like there's sort of a danger there it made me want to go watch daredevil again